And that's another reason why Babcock's awful. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring that up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about Babcock. <laughs> okay, I have a list of all my favorite players because I couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't shorten it or whatever. Okay, so my name is Christy. I am my closest rink is the Barclay Center for half the season until they go to Long Island and then my closest rink is Madison Square Garden. My favorite teams are the Penguins, the Jets, and the Bolts. And my favorite players are Cam Atkinson, Nikita Kucherov, <laughs> Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Schultz, Justin Schultz, not another one, Laine, Matt Duchesne, and William Nylander, and Austin Matthews sometimes. So my name is Danielle, obviously, and um, my favorite player is Evgeny Malkin, hands down, like, without a doubt, my absolute favorite player. Um, And my favorite teams are the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Buffalo Sabres, but, like, add, like, a dot, 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 question mark. I don't know. Asterisk. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah, it's just the season. And the closest ring to me would probably be the Washington Capitals ring. That's why I like some of their players. Um, I forgot Kuznetsov. Oh, my God. We already stopped it. (laughs) Doesn't count. All right. I'm Kelsey. I like a lot of teams, but my favorites are definitely the Penguins, the Maple Leafs, the Canucks, the Predators, Tampa Bay, the Capitals. I have a lot of them all over the place. And then... (laughs) My favorite players are Carl Haglin, Dustin Bufflin, Eric Carlson, um, and then most of the Penguins' defense. I love Olimata, Justin Schultz, Brian Dumoulin, and then I also like David Pasternak a lot. And my closest rink is Pittsburgh Plate Glass and Paints Arena. <laughs> PPG. <laughs> I was I wondered what it stood for. Yeah. I saw a commercial for it, and it was like PPG Paints, and I was just like, Arena? But it was actually like the paint and I was like what the fuck does it stand for I thought it was just Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Arena Pittsburgh Pittsburgh I digress Pittsburgh Arena that's yeah I don't know I didn't know what it stood for oh what the G stand for I have no idea I had no idea what it stood for like I was just like when I saw the commercial I was shook I didn't actually think it was like an actual thing and that people used but we didn't say but you're listening to where's my stick Oh, and you're listening to Where's My Stick, <laughs> brought to you by Chris Letang's Rant. <laughs> An icon, truly. So, a lot of signings this past couple of weeks. The most controversial, I would say, Tom Wilson, six years, $31 million. What do we think about that? I mean, I'll say real quick. I don't know if it's, like, controversial. I just think that it's just, like, what is going on? Like, are you serious? But then again, my opinion is that it's not my team. But, like, Tom Wilson is definitely going to screw me over with this contract. Tom Wilson scored 35 points last season. Career high 35 Career points. Career high 35 Stanley Cup winning 35 points. And, like, everyone's like, oh, well, he scored... 15 points in the playoffs in 21 games. Like, yeah, but is that, like, sustainable? 
So think about it. So, all right, Wayne Simmons' contract is going to be more than that. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jake Gensel's contract. Like, think about what Jake Gensel does. And then this guy's getting $5.166 million per year for the next six years. Like, I mean, like, just fuck you, Tom Wilson. Like, <laughs> it's a lot. Like, he, he just finds different ways to fuck over the Penguins. And the, not even the Penguins, but me specifically. And then people are arguing, you know, well, he was on the Stanley Cup winning team, all this stuff. But I feel like at times they won despite having Tom Wilson on their team oh, instead of, of him being like a full asset to them. Absolutely agree. I feel like the this contract banks on the cap going up. So it won't be as bad. And they're hoping that Tom Wilson plays more like playoff Tom Wilson. But I just think at other contracts that got signed and it's just if I was another player and I know that I'm better than Tom Wilson and I signed before him, I would feel disrespected. Like if I'm scoring at least like 50 points a season and I get 5.5 and then there's Tom Wilson doing that. Looking at his comparables, there's no way that he should be getting that much money. Like, technically, Tom Wilson is a first-line player, but, like, is he... He's a first-line player, like, Dominic Simone's a first-line player. Like, So, let's, like, Tom Wilson, no more. Okay. Next is Tristan Jari. Two years, 1.35 million. And was it a two-way? Two-way first year, one-way second year. I have no complaints about the contract. I'm just happy that he signed because he's my favorite goalie in the Pens organization. Like, I mean, I love Murray, but I, I think my heart is, like, just so soft for Jari. Um, and my biggest concern is how he's going to get treated these next two years. Mm-hmm. It's not really Rutherford, per se, because I think Rutherford has a soft spot for all goalies. But I think that it's, like what Sullivan's going to do and like what Mike Buckley is going to do, the goalie coach, because Sullivan normally goes with whatever the goalie coach goes with. But the goalie coach is very like partial to the Smith because he's played with him when the Smith was in college. So Jari didn't have a good season this year. I mean, his state percentage was a nine Oh eight, but I think that he can do better. And the team in front of them was not good when he played. Yeah. Um, I'm happy with it. I think that Jim Rutherford has said that they're going to decide on the backup goalie during training camp. But I was also concerned because I think Smith would have to clear waivers. And I don't think that he would. I think he'd get picked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the Pens would want to risk that. So I'm not sure where that leaves them. I guess unless he gets sent down before the season really starts. In my head, this isn't what I want to happen. But in my head, I think that... Um that the Smith wins the backup role, mm-hmm. so he doesn't declare waivers, and Jari gets sent down because his first his first uh, year is a two way. Is the two way? Like, Do you yeah. think that then he'll play a more prominent role his second year? I would hope. I would hope because after this year, De Smith needs a contract. So right. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I hope. Right. <laughs> 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 I feel like. Because I like Jari so much, he's going to get screwed over and traded, to be honest. Because <laughs> all of the, the young kids that I liked got traded. I'm just happy that he's signed. And hopefully he'll have a better season next year. And then we can get rid of the trash can, a.k.a. Smith. Next, 
up is Mark Stone signed $7.35 million, one year with the Sens. So, Kelsey, this is your area of expertise, oh. a.k.a. the Sens. The Senators. Yeah, so Mark Stone requested $9 million, and then they avoided arbitration, but he um, did request the $9 million. Uh, the Sens initially wanted to give him f- around $5 million, and I really think that they just wanted to keep him as, like, a trade chip. He is a either RFA or UFA at the end of the year, so I think that they wanted to keep him for this year so that they could trade him and not just have him walk away for nothing at the end of the year. And I think that they could get, like, a good collection of prospects and picks for him by the trade deadline if they wanted to do that. But what I found was really weird was that he only received a little bit more than James Van Riemsdyk, but James Van Riemsdyk is three years older and isn't quite as good of a two-way player. He's still very, very good, and I really like him, but I just found the uh, closeness of their contracts to be a little strange. Stone will be a UFA after this season, because Johnson tweeted out, by avoiding arbitration, Ottawa's best three players are all entering UFA season, so that's Carlson, Duchesne, Stone. I personally have no opinion on this. I just, I'm just, I have no idea what the Senators are doing. Like, they gave their first rounder for next year to the Avalanche, and people are saying that Jack Hughes is like the Connor McDavid, like, type player, so... You're going to miss getting a first overall for this player. He's American. Yeah. I mean, I actually was watching a little bit of, of the World Juniors showcase this summer. And, I mean, I thought Quinty's was better, but that's a different story. <laughs> and like you said, Kelsey, the JVR contract, like, Philly came in knowing that they wanted to keep JVR for a long time. And they knew they had to pay this guy. Like, it seems like Ottawa is just, like, messing around. Like, oh, we don't really know. Or, like... And everyone's saying that this, like, Mark Stone is, like, such a good player. Like, he's such, like you said, a good two-way player, puts up points. I have no opinion on this, to be honest. I'm just, like, my my only thing is, like, what are the Senators doing? Every time I see the Senators do another move, I'm just, like, yikes. Like, which one of them is going to resign with the Sens? Carlson, I don't, he shouldn't want to say. Duchesne, he should leave. <laughs> And then Mark Stone, like, why, what's the incentive to stay? They're not going to give you more money than any other team. They don't, um, what's his name? Craig Anderson asked for a trade. So it's just like, no one wants to be there. <laughs> like, when did Craig Anderson ask for a trade? I think at like, the beginning of the summer. Okay, next up, Dylan Larkin and William Nylander. Yeah, so these were two people that I'm, like, shocked they haven't been locked down yet, especially Dylan Larkin. But when you look at they have only $2 million in cap space right now. And he was saying on the NHL, like, dot .com on, that he expects something to get done before training camp. But, I mean, with, just with what money? <laughs> I don't even know what he could take. Like, I, he, he literally is, like, the face of that franchise now. Because he's from Michigan. Yeah. He grew up watching the Red Wings. And, like, I assume he wants to say. He's been doing all these, like, summer kids camp things. And I was just like, why is he always still in Detroit? But then I remember he's from there. So, yeah. obviously, it's easy for him to go. And, like, he is a person that you would want to lock down for a 
especially Detroit. He's definitely their franchise center. Like, I mean, Henrik Zetterberg, is he going to retire so they can eat cap space, like cap relief? I have no idea. And there's so many people with no trade clauses. Like Franz Nielsen has a modified no trade clause. Damn. Nyquist, Justin Alvocator, Darren Helm, uh, Thomas Vanek, and the defense. Everyone, everyone has no trade. <laughs> it's like, that's insane. They are pretty far off, but I feel like they draft pretty okay. Like, even though we don't hear about them, they have a couple of good young guys. Like, they have Athanasiu, and they have Philip Zadina, and they did okay at the draft. It's just they have a bunch of really old guys from when they won a cup, like, 10 years ago that they need to get rid of. And that just makes me say, like, you know when people say, like, oh, well, don't, you can't criticize them because they just won a cup. Or, oh, you can't criticize the GM because they just won a cup. And if my team won a cup, then I would, I, I don't care what they do. That this is exactly why I don't say that. Like, don't say that. Like, you want to up and look don't at what do happened. That. What are you exactly. doing? <laughs> look at all these no trade clauses. Look at all this stuff. Like, just because uh, GM won a cup doesn't mean that they're a god. This is perfect exa- example to me when people say, like, you know, well, you know, we gotta like listen to the GM or listen to this because l- sometimes they just have they just get too cocky and then put themselves. They do. In the- and like you said, they have Athens CU. Athens CU had to go into training camp. And I think it was part of the season without a contract. So what is that? How is that helping your team? Yeah. I don't get it, but okay. And now, they don't have any, they don't have any generational players. So they need to get it together. Kelsey, oh. Pretty much it's the same. I don't really understand the Red Wings. Um, I saw a few places that the projection for Dylan Larkin was six or five um, over six years. Which, I don't know how they're going to do that, but um, I guess we'll see. I guess they'll be a very different team moving forward. But, I mean, they do have a pretty strong prospect pool, so if they hang on to Dylan Larkin, he'll be sort of like a very sturdy veteran for them once they come up. So I do think that they'll be Veteran at 22. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Veteran at 22, wearing number 71. (laughs) Scrub. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that the projections are like six million six years around that because we just talked about tom wilson getting yeah <laughs> and it's like dylan larkin or tom wilson like it's just funny it's just this is this will always be funny okay. <laughs> my thing with william newlander is he has he used to have a gap but then his teeth got like i don't know puck hit his face or whatever so he had to fix it like that gap was like his one imperfection that I could be like okay he's a normal human but now he doesn't look normal now I have to stick with his obnoxious laugh that I love so much it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's so obnoxious he's like so cute I know I love anyway about him not being signed though you know who doesn't think he's cute Kyle Dubas you know, and, but here's the thing. Dubas has said, and Leafs fans have chanted that we're keeping all all three of the kids. We're keeping all three of the kids. So William Nylander, he's 22, and in 185 games, he has 135 points, which is really, really good. To me, I would lock him down at least, like, what, six years? Seven? And he's yeah. looking for a long-term contract. He's not looking for a bridge deal. So it's not like you can give him, like, two years I don't even know, two years, what, 18? Two years, 
you have to give like incentive for these people to like sign to your deal so it's like obviously you get more money in my opinion but i mean i get that he would want a long-term deal because he wants to stay in maple leaf i want to see how he gets this deal done because it's it's august and we're still waiting the only argument i see for a bridge deal is that he'd want Matthews to be signed long-term first so that he could see maybe what his options are. Because I feel like Matthews' number is going to be sort of like a benchmark for the Leafs. I think that that would be something that he'd be curious about, but I really think that they're interested in a long-term deal because he's only going to get better. So if they don't lock him down now, they'll be paying way more in the future. And I think he might get something similar to Pasternak at like around the 6 by 6 number. I mean, I, I could see that. I would be okay with that. But again, like, I, for me, he's such a good player. And, like, I think that Matthew's production depends on William on his wing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think William helps Matthews as much as people try to say that Matthews helps William. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't matter how what Matthew signs because I think that Nylander is good enough that even if he's not there long term, Matthews isn't there long term, Nylander can still produce. Sure. Especially if he's a winger and he has a solid center, which they have Tavares for how many years. So even if Nylander ends up playing with Tavares, it's still that's still a great center. Unless they move him to center, but who knows? Who knows what they're? Doing. I, they're not going to move him to center. Yeah, Babcock doesn't really like him at center. Mm. Babcock barely likes him at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. True. I just want them to sign him. I feel like he deserves more than he's probably going to get, and he's been there for. He's 22. Like, he's not, like, 19 or whatever. He's been there for a while. Yeah, and he played he, for the Marlies for a while. Yeah, he played for the Marlies. He did everything that you guys want him to do. So now give him his money. And him and Austin can make beautiful, beautiful goals together. So this is what I wanted to talk about. Yes. Our Jacob Truba. He signs one year, $5.5 million. I think after this deal, he's still an RFA. Yes, you. Gosh, it's like a never-ending. Okay, so I want to hear what you guys have to say about it, and then I'll say what I have to say about it. You can go, Kelsey. I was just, <laughs> I couldn't figure out what they were trying to accomplish by going to arbitration, because I feel like Trupa's said that he wants to be there longer term. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why they would... I guess almost force him into arbitration instead of trying to work something out. I feel like that's very complicated with because you know a few years prior he was sort of holding out and doing all this stuff, so it's been kind of up in the air for him. So I thought that Truba just wanted like his last arbitration. He just wanted to have a bigger role on the team, and he felt like he wasn't reaching his potential, being like lower on the defense. And now he's, like, he's, like, a top defenseman. Like, I know he doesn't do the first power play all the time. I know that's Bufflin's spot. But he gets good minutes. He does go up against, like, you know, tough opponents. From what I've heard, like, he's kind of their number one or 1B defenseman. So my thing with Truba is just, like, well, what's the holdup? Why did you go to arbitration this time? Like, you say you want to be here long term. They've obviously given you a better position, so why couldn't a long-term deal be brought up? And, like, if you're the, the Winnipeg GM, like, you don't, you rarely do trades. You, it's always through the draft. You have a good player that's been drafted. What are you holding out for? What are, Like, what's the deal? What's the holdup? So, I don't know. A part of me feels like it might be Jacob Truba that's the problem with this one. He said he wants to stay in Winnipeg, but I don't know. Does he? 
Like, I, I just don't know. Because I, I don't understand how a deal couldn't get made. And even if it is, like, he won, I think, yeah, like, he wanted $7 million, right? Or Yeah, he wanted 7 He wanted 7 They wanted to give him, like, what, 3 4 4 So, like, if they agreed to, like, 5.5 here, which they knew, everyone knows in arbitration you're just going to meet right in the middle. Right. Why can the deal, like, 6 years, 6 million be met? I just don't understand that. Because, like, the GM going into arbitration, you know you're going to have to pay more. So, and you have, and, like, the GM, like, moved around space because they thought he was going to sign Stastny. So when you knew you weren't going to sign Stastny, why couldn't you find a, a deal with Truba? I just don't understand that. He's a right-handed defenseman, so it's like a commodity in the league, and everyone, like, salivates over right-handed defensemen. So, like, what do you, what's your end game? Are you trying to trade this guy? Like, what's going on? So they have to do it again next at the end of next season so I'm just like yeah again and they have a lot of players this year next season they have to sign Blake Wheeler Brandon Tanev Andrew Cobb Line Kyle Connor who else Uh, Marco Dano Truba and then they have a bunch of UFAs and they haven't signed Josh Morrissey yet. And he's like, after Bufflin, it's basically Truba Morrissey. And they have good guys coming up. But I just feel like Truba said that he didn't want to have to go through a long arbitration process. And then that's what he did. They wanted a long-term deal. But I feel like they couldn't agree on a number because the Jets, they can't, they're kind of because they have all these people to sign and last year it was more like Truba didn't want to sign because they weren't playing him on the right side he wanted to be on the right side and then this year he was on the right side but he was injured a lot so even though we all know Truba is really really good right now where Truba was last year he probably shouldn't have gotten seven million probably like six million but Putting the offer of $4 million in front of him was kind of insulting, honestly. And if I'm Truba and I'm looking around the league, and I know Truba signed before Wilson, and I see that Wilson got what he got, and then they offered me $4 million, I would have been, like, I, if I was Truba, I would have been crazy insulted. And I feel like going, like, go, the whole arbitration process is really... It can really put a divide between player and GM, especially if it's like they're putting out all your flaws to be like, this is why you don't deserve this amount of money. But I just hope Truba stays because it sounds like they're working on a long term deal and they just couldn't get it done. And that's how they that's why they went to arbitration. But I need Truba to stay (laughs) like I I don't want Truba to leave because Bufflin's getting older Morrissey's on the left, and if Bufflin can't do what he did this season, like, Truba was plus nine, and I know that's, like, a really shitty stat, but he only put up 24 points, so that means that, like, when he was out there, when Morrissey was out there, that means that, like, they didn't allow a lot of goals to be scored on them, and I think the Jets know that he is a really good right shot defenseman, and even if they trade him, they're never going to get fair value because usually the winner of the trade is the, is the team that gets the best player and Jacob Truba and whatever trade he's going to be in. For his age, he's going to be the better player. 
I just one for one, one Johnson and Truba. <laughs> oh my god. I remember last year I wanted the Penguins to get him, but now they're like I like the Jets. I'm just like, no, you can stay right where you yeah. are. Yeah, I would trade I would trade a lot of people on the pens to get Truba. Trading him would be silly because you're never gonna get fair value, especially when Truba is that good and you know he's that good and he's the future of your defense. Just I don't know who what demon they're gonna have to pray to to sign all these people next year, but they have to do it because I can't deal with them trading away all my good young kids. They're going to Buffalo. I don't want them to trade Buffalo. <laughs> trade Buffalo. The one guy that was like, I'll stay in Winnipeg. They're like, okay, get out. <laughs> oh, no. The last one, I mean, we don't have any information on William Carlson, but I wanted to he get... He signed. He did? Yeah. 5.2 this morning. Oh, that's what. <laughs> $5.25 I don't know how long, but that's his cap hit. And then just one year if it's if they go to arbitration? One or I two. Thought, Which oh. either way isn't ideal, I don't think. Well, it is if his next season he doesn't put up as many points as he did. Oh, then true. Like, uh, and that, I think that's why they wanted to go low, because they have no idea. Yeah, they, okay, so uh, William Carlson avoids arbitration with Golden Knights, agrees to one year, $5.25 million a year. I, I, I actually supported the, the Golden Knights on this one, because who knows? This guy scored, like, Six. two goals before it going to the Knights, and then he scores 42? That's insanity. Like, there's no way. I agree with them for being hesitant. Um, and I also don't trust William Carlson. Yeah, he's he's not. He doesn't seem genuine to me. He seems like a snake. Only twelve <laughs> penalty minutes, though. Anything to do with his number, perhaps? Well, now that you brought that up, Christy, that is something that I had to think about when making this decision of how I felt about him. He's <laughs> fake. Why are you wearing seventy-one? You're not elite. And then he puts up these forty-two goals. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I think William Carlson himself would tell you that, like, they sh- they probably shouldn't <laughs> bet, like, that high on him. Because even he was like, well, I scored six goals last season, and that f- up to 42 is a big jump. So let's let's be careful here. Absolutely. I was just expecting, well, like, a more of a bridge deal than just a one-year deal. I think it's a show-me deal. Like, like Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And you know what? I mean, I think I think the Golden Knights would have liked the bridge deal, like maybe two years, three years. But William was probably like, no, I want the money. Or his agent was probably like, no, do this again next year and then I'll get a big raise. And if he does the same 40 goals next year, then he would deserve that big Absolutely. raise. I mean, I'm, I don't know if he'll deserve it, um, but he'll probably. <laughs> now we're going on to trades. Can you believe that Carlson was traded? JK, JK. Oh, jeez. Uh, he's never going to get traded. But Jeff Skinner. So what did you guys think of the trade? It's a bad trade for Caroline. I mean, I like Cliff Poo, but it's a, like, that's it. That's all they got for Jeff Skinner. That's all I have to say. And I think the Pens could have got him for that price give them like some random Teddy Bluger or whatever prospect on the on Wilkes Bear and a couple of picks. The Penguins could have did that. That's what I thought that they were gonna do when they got rid of 
Hunwick and Shiri. I wish the Penguins got Jessica in it, and I'm very jealous of Buffalo right now. Um, I'm thinking the same as far as they didn't... Carolina didn't really get a good return on him. I feel like he could have been worth, or he was worth so much more. Um, I think it's interesting that he waived his no-move clause to go to Buffalo. And one thing his GM said was that they were ready to, like, move on. They weren't winning in this situation, so they wanted to try something new. You got, what, like, one possibly roster player and then some some prospects and, like, a pick or something? That's not going to help you this year. (laughs) I honestly don't know what they were thinking, but... I hope that what they did get will help them in future seasons. And I don't know why they didn't wait for the trade deadline when they could have gotten, like, way more for Jeff Skinner. Maybe that has something to do with his willingness to waive his no-move clause, but I just, I don't get it. It's not what I would have done. So I looked at this trade in, like, several different, like, ways. Because, you know, I am a Penguins fan, so I was thinking, why didn't the Penguins get them? Why didn't the Flyers get him? Why did Buffalo get him? I think either way, that was a horrible trade for Carolina. I agree with you guys. Um, but with the Penguins, I think that Rutherford had his eyes set on a defenseman. And he, there was no, like, getting Jeff Skinner would have stopped that. Like, there was no way he could get a defenseman that he thought was good and that would fit in with the room and would fit in with, like, their system and Jeff Skinner. So, because, I mean, think about it. He moved Sherry, he moved Hunwick, which Hunwick was, like, please take not like oh you want him (laughs) you move you move um sherry you move hunwick and then who else could you move like who else can like would other teams want like i i've always been don't don't get mad kelsey but i've always been trade haglin while like now because we don't know his his production is always up and down. We don't know when he's on. He's great, but mm-hmm. I think that us can supplement his position on the PK and on like in the top six. So, but I mean, who's gonna want Haglin? Like he's four million. He's just a fast. He's a very fast pl- uh, player. But I mean, I don't know. Like a lot of the p- teams that play fast like that have kids that are fast. So mm-hmm. it's like you know at that price point contenders aren't going to want to spend that for a guy who doesn't put up points. Yeah, Haglin's hands are rough. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at it from the Philadelphia standpoint, and Jeff Skinner's only, he's only signed for one year. So you have to, like, no matter, depending on what you give up, um, and this can go on to what we're talking about later on the in the, in the episode, but, like, Philly's in the middle of, like, almost finished their rebuild to contending, and they want to keep their picks while they can because they've been hitting on a lot of them. So even though it wasn't a lot to give up for Jeff Skinner, to know that Jeff Skinner isn't going to sign and then to give up all that for one year when you know you're not going to win the cup, it kind of is just like, eh. Now, Buffalo, I think Buffalo did – what Buffalo did was good. I, I feel like a lot of people are saying that Buffalo is going to lose in this uh, in this trade because they got Jeff Skinner and – now their first round pick is going to suck more than it would have if they didn't have Jeff Skinner. But you have to think about you have to think about it this way: Buffalo lost Ryan O'Reilly, so they they automatically their team sucked way more than it did. <laughs> and then so then you get Jeff Skinner, and that's going to help it. But still, Buffalo's a one line team. Like even if their second their second line is going to be okay because Middlestat will be there, and they'll, they'll have Connor Sheary on there. But it's still like I mean. That's like you're gonna have Ogposo, Middlesat, Shiri as a second line. 
going up against team second lines like Brian Russ, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel. Or you do James Van Riemsdyk, Nolan Patrick, and Jake Voracek. So it's like that's still their second line isn't like amazing. So how much did this move uh, Buffalo down? If they say next year they get a top five, now with Jeff Skinner they might get a top seven, top eight pick. And they have three other first-round picks. So either way, I think this is a win for Buffalo. If they sign Skinner, then they have a good left-winger for Eichel. If they don't sign Skinner, they can flip him. I mean, I think that Bottom needs to trade him at the deadline to get a first-round pick or a prospect that's ready to be in the NHL and a second-round pick or something like that for Skinner. So... But I do like that Skinner did waive his no-move clause to go to Buffalo. So. He didn't do it to go to Buffalo. According to Twitter, he did it so that he could be closer to Toronto. Because that's where he really wants to be. Because he's a good Ontario boy. Well, here's the thing that I have to say to Leaf fans. And, I mean, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Like, go check. Because not everybody <laughs> wants to play for Toronto, okay? And Apparently, if they do, not everybody Tavares wants to play for Toronto, so everybody wants to play for Toronto. Tavares is a snake. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. he's a snake. It's his. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh my also, God. I mean, funny. I think that I'm excited to see Cliff Boo and our division I mean I think it's kind of weird and that's why I put his stats like on the outline like he's a 20 year old he's in the OHL he could be playing in the AHL now like I'm surprised he wasn't playing in Buffalo's AHL I don't know if he just turned 20 um, but he's able to play in the AHL so maybe he'll be playing with um, Carolina's AHL team um, yeah yeah, the checkers yeah isn't he the same the Checkers actually did good last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did well. Okay. So, Trevor Linden, him and the Canucks have broken up, but do not fret because they say that it was mutual and no hard feelings. We just got to go our own way. Kelsey, you're a Canucks person, so you probably know more about this. The only thing that like really struck me was that he's, he had previously said that he didn't want to start a rebuild because he didn't think it would be fair to the Sedins. And then now that the Sedins have retired, um, I just think it's weird that he didn't stay on for the rebuild. And that just made me wonder more about, I guess, the nature of rebuilds and what it means for the teams. Because, I mean, when he said that, it was like two years ago, the Sedins probably knew that their time was coming to an end. So why not use their veteran presence to help shape a a rebuild and really start forming your team and then that just got me thinking about the other rebuilds in the league i kind of heard that trevor linden he was full rebuild mode or whatever and the gm was like no and that's how that's how they find like roussel jay beagle blah blah blah, because they weren't content and they weren't fully into the rebuild and they disagreed on that and that's how Trevor Linden ended up leaving because like Trevor Linden could see like this roster you're not going anywhere with this roster right oh that's just so frustrating because like Jay Beagle isn't going to help you compete like the team that you have isn't Stanley Cup winning Jay Beagle (laughs) (laughs) they'll put anyone's name on the Stanley Cup (laughs) no they won't (laughs) 
You know whose name isn't on the Stanley Cup? Jerome Bennett and his oh, like bajillion names. They should just put his name. He should be one of the people they put on there. <laughs> Whatever team, <laughs> just like Jerome Gimba. <laughs> I would, I would love that. Jerome something 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 Elvis Gimba. <laughs> but Kelsey, that's actually like when you brought up rebuilds, that was something that I think I've been thinking about because I've been following the Flyers rebuild, and like to me, they're on the end to contending soon, um, and then that's also why. Well, besides the fact that, like, Jack Eichel attacked me and now I adore him. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I started, you know, really following the Sabres because this is a team that has been rebuilding, like you said, for years. And something's going wrong. Some, something went wrong to the point where they are still in this position and they redid the whole coaching staff, GMs, uh, like, you know, front office, and now... You know, this is a rebuild, but they're they're rebuilding to contend. So I think that's like a really good point about the rebuild that you brought up. So my thing is like, what teams do you guys think is are at the beginning of a rebuild? At the beginning, I think in order to be in a rebuild, you need to admit to yourself that you're in a rebuild because a lot of teams like the Canucks and the Rangers and the Suns, they don't. They don't see themselves in a rebuild. They only see themselves as, like, a couple players away from, like, contending. And I think that's where you get messed up because, like, you're you're giving away prospects and you're giving away picks and you're bringing in these bad contracts and you're bringing in these veteran presences that you think are going to, you know, like, help your team when you really should be stockpiling draft picks, um, prospects, and... You know, just focus on developing the young kids as opposed to necessarily winning. And I know you might want to sell to your, like, you need to sell tickets. So you want to sell to your fan base, like, hey, like, we're, you know, we're only a couple pieces away when you're really, really not. And I think it kind of insults the intelligence of, like, your fan base to just be like, yeah, we're only a couple players away from contending when... Like, you know, you just you just got to admit it that, you know, we're not in a good place right now and we need to start over. And you don't need, you don't necessarily need to start over, but you need to. I think the biggest part of a rebuild is maybe just taking a step back, looking back and being like, we're not where we need to be. Keeping all your picks, shedding those bad contracts so you have space and then just bring in a bunch of young players like Chicago right now. That's what they need to do. And they're not doing it. And that's why they're bad. I agree that I think Chicago is on the like precipice of a rebuild. I also think that the Islanders are kind of tumbling into a rebuild, um, completely sped up by Jean Tavares leaving. Of course, the Canadians are just one big yikes. And I think are one of the teams that haven't admitted to themselves that they are in a rebuild and need to rebuild. Um, and I think that they could have a relatively fast rebuild. I think that they could get, they have a lot of pieces that if um, leveraged correctly, could get a really great return as far as prospects and picks go. Um, Carey Price. Carey Price. Yeah, Carey Price. Um, I think the Senators are just starting and have yet to admit their problems. Um 
And then the Rangers, I know that they just recently put out that letter, you know, explaining to their fans that, you know, it might be rough for the next few seasons. But I don't think that they're terrible. I guess that's it. Maybe the Wings, I think, are just starting or a little, a few steps forward. But I think that there are a good many teams just beginning the rebuild and we'll see how they turn out. Yeah, I see what the, like, what the Rangers did. I feel like that's what you should do be like, we're not where we need to be. We want to have a winning culture, blah, 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 New York. And just let the fans know that we might be rough for a couple of years, but we're trying. And then they did bring in a bunch of young players, not like super duper great young players, but they did bring like good young players. And the reason why the Rangers are never going to be like completely bottom of the basement is Henrik Lundqvist. And Lundqvist does like, I think the Rangers rebuild depends on Lundqvist and Lundqvist isn't going to be the type to just throw games just to throw games like Lundqvist still wants to win but like everybody else knows that it's a rebuild maybe Henrik Lundqvist doesn't but everybody else does so I think what the Rangers are doing is good and they're drafting good players so when they eventually get rid of Lundqvist they'll have these good players that will be good enough to like kind of contend I agree with you guys I think um I think you're right like the the organization and and the teams just need to be on the same page with the fans like I think as fans like yeah it sucks like for your team to be in a rebuild but if you like hockey you're gonna watch it anyway like I used to just follow like the big teams but now through the flyers like I'm watching college hockey I'm watching like AHL hockey I follow all of the prospects like if you can't get people like the on ice may be bad but you can get people there and be like oh look at our like you know prospect showcase or look at this or look at that or I mean there's different ways because people at the end of the day like fans just want to watch hockey we don't we don't really care so in and we want to win but it doesn't really matter on what level so like yeah our AHL team may suck but like our like prospects may win like the bean pot or whatever and that's something that people can like or fans can get behind because it's winning on any level when i watch like world juniors and stuff and like you see like these really good young players and then you find out what teams like they're a prospect for i get like so depressed because the penguins never have any of these prospects so i'm just like the penguins have no prospects but like other teams like they do and then, like, that's something that your team, like, your fan base can get excited for. Like, oh, this this kid did really good at World Juniors. So when he plays for the Rangers, he's going to be really good, hopefully. And I think that's really important also. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, and I agree with what you said earlier, Christy, about how, like, teams need to, and this is just, like, my motto with, like, because I've only watched, like, the Flyers rebuild which is, like, finally admit it to themselves and stop, like... I mean, Ron Hextall gets, like, so much, like, crap with the fan base, but, like, he sticks to his guns. Like, we have so many really, really good prospects, and, like, we like right now, we have about, like, three bad contracts on, on the roster, and in, like, two years, like, the prospects are going to be on the team, and it's, like, we're going to be kind of like Winnipeg, where it's, like, we don't have... 
Like, we have to sign all these people, and, like, we actually don't have room for our prospects. And then that's how, when you get to that stage, in my opinion, that's where you, like, trade prospects and picks for, like, really good players, like a Phil Kessel or, like, that just that one player that's going to, like, put you over the top to be a contender. So, I mean, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see how Buffalo does, especially this season. Because I think everyone knows it's still a rebuilding season. Because, like I said before, they basically have, like, one line. And that depends heavily on, like, Sam Reinhart, in my opinion. Like, if he's going to be able to put up, to be consistent, if he's put on the wing, on Jack's wing, anyway. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, rebuilds, they suck. But, like, you you just know. I feel like if they're done well, you know in a couple years, like, you're going to you're going to be that team. Like, that's why, unfortunately, the Leafs are so excited. And, like, that's why Flyers fans are excited for the next couple of yeah. years. Winnipeg fans. And, like, yeah, exactly. And then it's, like, on the other spectrum, like, as a Penguins fan, I'm kind of, like, bitter. I'm, like, oh, so you guys just have really great prospects. Even though they just to. And, like, hopefully they can, like, do something this year. But I think that's an, oh sorry another thing with rebuilds I feel is you need to draft the right players yeah. I feel like ever since they began the Yotes have been in rebuild mode because they're not drafting well or they're not developing well and I think that's also really important because your rebuild hinges on these young players and if you're not getting the, the right young players then you're not doing anything no okay, sorry Kelsey you go question but you go first Kelsey and then I'll ask my question to you guys after I just sort of had a question too but yeah I agree with the um coyotes I feel like they've had a million like little rebuilds within rebuilds Mm -hmm. during their path but I was just wondering do you think it's possible for a team to um you know I think that we all are kind of scared of the future with the penguins because they don't have a particularly strong prospect pool do you think it's possible for a team to go from being like so strong like the penguins or even looking at, um, like, Chicago. They were so strong for so long, and now they're approaching a rebuild. Do you think it's possible for a team to avoid having to go into that rebuild and just be, like, maybe middle of the pack? Or do you think times of great success will always sort of lead to... I think um, I think times of great success will always lead to a rebuild. Because think about it. I mean, the Penguins, they mortgaged their future. Like, you know, they, they had no first-round picks for how many years... The first round picks that they did have, how many panned out? Like, so they obviously weren't drafting the best. And then when you have, like, generational talents, as much as, like, having generational talents is, like, a must, it also hinders your team because, like, you're going to have, what, a, a 25, 26? Even when, even when the Penguins lose, like, I mean, they never have, like, a top 10, top 20 pick. So, I mean, they're always they're always, you're never going to get a top 10 pick when you have like generational talents or when you have like teams that are going deep in the playoffs, unless your GM's like a magician and you end up trading for something and you get some, and the team's GM sucks and they have a lottery protected pick. Like, I don't know. Like to me, I just feel like that I've never seen it. And then also like if you, if they do, accomplish that then it's like are they really winning anything or are they just like in the playoffs so if you they're just a middle like 
pick 17 to 22, then are they really like doing stuff? Cause they're not, they're getting close to the, to the Stanley cup finals, but they're not reaching it. So I don't know. Is it better to just be in the playoffs every single year, but never win the cup? I think I would rather not be in the playoffs than, than be in the playoffs and then not win. Cause last year was rough for me. It's really rough. I don't know. I almost feel like we kind of saw it from like, 2009 to what 2015 with the penguins yeah um i mean i don't know who that mark andre Fleury was but <laughs> look I, mean, I think i think it was mark andre Fleury. i think it was like i think it was coaching and that to me is like the worst part especially when you have generational talents like that like you're just wasting their prime and like mcdavid hasn't even entered his prime and it's already getting wasted but oh i had one more question do you think when drafting do you draft for the best player available or for need because that i feel like that's also how teams get into a crunch because like say like with with um the oilers they needed centers they need defensemen they needed goaltending but they kept getting like wingers Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so like do you draft for what you need or do you draft for the best player available what do you guys think Uh, Draft for the best player available. Like, because what if the Oilers needed a goalie and they had, like, the first-round pick, which is McDavid, and they didn't pick McDavid? That's stupid. Like, that's silly. Like, I think the best players will always rise and be the best players on your team, even if they're not necessarily at the position that you want. And you can always trade for need, but you can't, you can't always trade for the best player. So I think drafting for the best player available is always like the best bet okay i think the same thing i think that it's much easier to recover from drafting the best player than it is to recover from drafting a player that fits your need but might not be the best in their position okay i think i agree i just think that that's like i don't know like I don't know. I mean, I think in my mind, I was thinking more like after the first round, because, you know, the first round, it's kind of like hit or miss, um, especially with your development. But uh, but yeah, I would agree with you. Like, yeah, I mean, I, there's no way I'd be like, hey, let's take this goalie and not take Connor McDavid. Then my team <laughs> David. So like, but I don't know. But yeah. What do you think is, like, the most important part of a rebuild? Like, forward... I guess it would depend on the team, but, like, forwards, defense, goaltending. I think defense. That's so funny you said that. I did, like, a poll, like, a couple months ago on my Twitter about that, and everyone said center. Center? Yeah. Because... And and that's, like, a good question, though, Kelsey, because, like, you think about it, and, like, it's kind of like what it was against, like, Nashville and the Penguins in 2017. Yeah. And they're Stanley Cup final because Nashville had defense. Right. Then the Penguins had centers. And, I mean, both teams had good goalies. So it's like... Did both teams have good goalies? (laughs) Pecorine is a very good goalie. In that playoff series? I don't know. No comment. But I just... I, I think it's funny how the Penguins always expose goalies. But to answer your question, Kelsey, I think center depth is number one. Two is goaltending and three is defense. 
because I think you can you can draft you you need good centers and you can like if you get two I think that you're good and then maybe you can like trade for a, a third and then you could draft a good fourth line center um, but I think goaltending is extremely important um, CC the Philadelphia Flyers please and then even though that's kind of hard because defense is really important too like you need a good defenseman? I don't know. I feel like center depth is the most important because centers are really versatile and they can play wing and they can play center also. But it's like you can't, you don't always have a winger that can play center for you. And then goalies, they can cover a lot of your de- your defensive mistakes. And centers, they can cover a lot of the defensive mistakes. Also, if they're good, like two-way center, and they're and they're good that way. But defense is also really important. But is it important because the Penguins won the cup without Crystal Tang that one year? And I'm sorry, but number one defenseman Brian Dumoulin came in and saved all of <laughs> that. And Justin Schultz, I think. Oh, I don't think you need to have like a. I think that was like you need to have a competent defense. Maybe not like that could work around competence. They have like there's some players that like supplement other players' bad tendencies. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but I yeah. What do you? That's why I'm really worried about Johnson because I think Johnson's gonna end up on a line with Alexiak, and I really like Alexiak. I think he's really good, but I think he's still settling into the Penguins organization and like way of playing. And I feel like I don't trust the two of them together. Well, Kelsey, I think about this all the time. And <laughs> even when I shouldn't, like I lay it. <laughs> but I think that, I think after last season, Olimata has, he deserves to be a second pair defenseman. He shouldn't be on the third line anymore or the third pair anymore. And I think that him and Justin Schultz worked well together. And I'd rather have two good defense defensive pairings that I can trust than two that I'm going to like I don't know if I can trust because like if you have Schultz and ja- uh, Jackson or Johnson together I'm going to be a little bit nervous because sometimes I, I get nervous about Schultz in the defensive zone he's really good offensively but I get nervous with him defensively um, and then I get nervous and then like Olimata and Jamie Alexiak Neither uh, neither of them have the speed to like recover because I mean we love Oli so much but he does get like oh my gosh he's such a bad sometimes he gets exposed I know like I just don't want to and then Jamie he has like he's he's fast but he's not fast like he's not like as fast as Justin to cover he's up. fast but he doesn't think fast like he doesn't adjust very fastly rapidly yeah. And I was listening, I forget to what podcast I think I was. we talked about last time, but they were saying that Johnson is good in the defensive zone. Like, he's good in his own zone. Like, he will cover up his own, like, his team's mistakes in his own zone. It's the offensive zone that it's, like, kind of like, what are you doing there, bud? Which I think, if I'm being, like, very, very overly positive, Jamie's good on the offensive zone because, like, you we've seen him sometimes, like, like stick handle around people and then shoot the puck. And we're like, what? Like, who is that guy? So, and like, there's like glimpses of why he was the first round pick. So I think they could, like, I'm praying, I'm hoping, I'm like sending positive vibes out every single day that, 
that pairing isn't as scary as we think it'll be. But I think that keeping Schultz and Mata together and then obviously Dumo and Latang together is is better than having them those two be a part. Yep. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Where's My Stick? Give us any and all feedback. Follow us at Where's My Stick Pod. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.